Welcome to Man in the Making, episode 9, with former monk and co-host Raja Shankara. Thank you for joining me, Rajan. Thank you, Rokas. Today we will continue on from episode 8 and cover the seven levels of self-development as structured in the course on your website. Could you go through and explain each of the levels? Right. So we started talking about discipline and what discipline means. So it kind of naturally goes into, you know, how do we practice discipline? And it ends up being, how, how do we practice self-development? And I think they're, they're one and the same. And I came up with seven levels of self-development. I'm sure other people have many other systems and, and uh, levels and things like that. And, and of course, uh, the famous uh, self-help author and lecturer Stephen Covey has seven habits of highly effective people. And, but basically, I wrote this course because I was living a certain way in the monastery. And by living that way, my life was being changed and uplifted for the better. So basically, I wrote it, I wrote it all down and started to teach it and, and tell people that I worked with and mentored I was saying, hey, I'm doing these things and it's, it's changing my life. And then other people would do them and they would say, hey, that stuff worked. So that, that's kind of what, where all this came from. Uh, also, if you do enough research and if you, you do it enough um, reading and study over the years, as we'll go over in season two, when we actually cover great authors, on the show, uh, you find out that they actually do the same thing. And it's not like they talk to each other necessarily because we weren't always a global society, right? But they were doing the same things and writing books. And if you read a lot of the material from like a thousand years ago to today, you find that there's a common thread in people who talk about being effective and having discipline and leading successful lives. So that's all very um, long-winded to say that uh, why I did what I did and why these are the way they are. Number one is waking up early. So that's the, that's the first decision of the day. That's the first battle you could say if you want to put it in terms of that it's the first attempt at being in charge or being ruled by your mind and um i say decision because i like decision because you either wake up or you don't you know and and everyone has the freedom to wake up before they actually need to right? Like we all have to be somewhere. Ideally, we all have a schedule of some sort. We can either rush and just kind of throw ourselves together and, and, and run out the door. Or we can wake up before we need to, before anyone needs to, 
and ideally before the sun gets up and plan. And I don't necessarily mean plan as in create a schedule. I mean like prepare mentally by doing nothing for a few minutes, taking a shower, getting ready casually, and then practicing a routine or a ritual by yourself. And this kind of preparatory phase of the day is a way to like settle into yourself before the world comes at you, before your phone comes at you. And it's not really something that can be avoided or hacked. Like there is no life hack for waking up early. You just, the waking up early is the life hack. And it's not easy. I get a lot of complaints. I get a lot of people who say they can't do it. I even get people and clients who say that uh, like waking up early almost kills them. Like they get a headache, they, they, they get miserable, they're exhausted. But, you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy and it's not, well, nothing worthwhile ever is. But they're not, it's not necessarily going to, uh, the benefits aren't going to set in immediately, I don't think. And it, it didn't for me. I mean, it, it took me months uh, to really get into a good habit and to understand it and to feel okay and not tired throughout the day. But it's an adjustment process. And then as soon as, um, what is that rhythm called? We all have a, a rhythm. Uh, uh, circadian, arcadian rhythm. Something circadian. Like yeah as long as soon as we all get like in sync with our circadian rhythms um it's hard to turn back like it's hard to sleep in at that point and you feel worse when you get more sleep so i i ask people to kind of be patient and give it a try for at least a month not like a week but a month and the, so I was just, I was having dinner with a wonderful person the other day and they were saying that, uh, cause this is, this is inevitably the stuff I just talk about with everyone. It's, it's awful, <laughs> yeah. but I, I rarely will talk about mundane sports and things like that. Instead of football, we'll talk about like how to be an effective human being. And this guy I was having dinner with was saying that he would wake up and he'd have nothing to do. So he would kind of get tired and fall back asleep. And, it, and, and that makes sense, right? So it, it's not just like you wake up early and do nothing for a long period of time. You don't, you don't wake up three hours early and have nothing to do for three hours. And waking up early is only the first step. <clears throat> okay, so that's why the seven levels kind of naturally lead into each other. All right. So, and by the end of this, you'll kind of actually realize that I'm developing someone's actual morning routine. So wake up early is number one. And then waking up, uh, and then number two is actually having a yoga or meditation discipline. Before you and go really, to uh, the second one, I'd like to add to the first one as well with my please. personal experience. Please. So I used to do it for three to four months. And as you were saying, it does take a while to adjust. I was waking up at 4 a.m. 
in the morning. It took, I think, about two weeks for me to fully adjust to it and not be tired. It would usually kick in around, I believe, 1 p.m. I'd start getting very tired. But that went away after a few weeks and I would just have full energy throughout the day. And when you wake up, uh, make sure to not look at your phone because it will put you in a reactive state if you look at, let's say, your emails or your um, messages, your missed messages whatever, uh, through social media. Yeah, and, the world. Like yeah. That's what I mean when I say the world comes at you. So if you just don't look at your phone for, let's say, the first 30 minutes after waking up, you won't have any distractions. And in that early stage of the morning, your mind is clear. So for one, it's easier to meditate. And another thing is, it's just easier to do work or anything else you need to do. Let's say, read a book or something else that requires mental focus. Since your mind is empty, it's a lot easier to absorb information and actually get through the work without any distractions. Yeah. And furthermore, once you do something for a few hours, then if going to the gym is something you want to do throughout the day, but you end up making excuses for it or something similar and you just end up not doing it waking up that early is a perfect way to just get rid of all the excuses and then go to the gym um, as soon as it opens and since you would likely not have to work yet you end up making more time for yourself in the mornings um to yeah, to get your day started properly. I'm sorry to ramble on a bit, but I hope that no, makes No, that's sense. fine. I mean, that makes total sense. You, you wake up early, you make more time, you actually make... Look, it's like this. You make more time. You do more things. And it's hard for people to realize that until they do it. And I'll never forget, like I, I got out of the monastery and was waking up at 4 a.m., I'm back to like 4.30. I went from 5 to 4.30 because 5 was too late. Like 4.30 is way better for my circadian rhythm. I actually feel more alert at 4.30 yeah. than I do at 5 a.m. So you have to like find your, your – like actually there's some apps that tell you when you're out of deep sleep. Use one of those apps and like find a moment that you're out of deep sleep and wake up then. Even if it's outrageously early, like some people wake up better at 3.30 than they do at 4 or 4.30. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but like it, it helps to be a little crazy. It, it really does. Okay, so I'll never forget. I was waking up at 4 a.m. instead of 4.30. And uh, so when I first got out of the monastery, I was, I was sleeping in the, the back room of my friend's house in Colorado. This was the first five days I didn't get an apartment till I was five days out in Colorado and I had to sleep in my friend's house so we can kind of look around for a place and just kind of figure out what it even means to like do that I, he had to do it with me and hold my hand because I was like yeah. a child out in the world and so I was still t I was teaching meditation I had my company and I just started my LLC I had like 20 clients and we, would, we were all waking up in the morning and going online, Facebook living and doing meditation. I did two classes 
<laughs> one at 4.30 and one at 5.30. And um, I still do the 5.30 one. So he would wake up at like, uh, I don't know, nine, eight or nine o'clock, uh, some, some reasonable amount of time. And, he, and I was, I'd be in the kitchen drinking coffee and having breakfast. And it's like, hey, how's it going? And it's like, good, just finished two meditation classes. Yeah. Just had a one-on-one client. Yeah, exactly. Writing in the book, wrote an article. You know, it's like, and he'd be like, holy God. Yeah. Man. Like, you just, you just <laughs> did a whole day before I even got up. And it's like, hell yeah, I did. And I'm going to do more for the rest of the entire day. And every day, at least Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, can be like that. For me, Fridays have become more of a, a relaxed day, like a normal human day. And that's the kind of bridge the gap between me and other people. And especially with the, the wonderful woman that I live with, um, it, it gives us a chance to have some sort of normalcy. Um, and I'm not just going about, you know, you know, when you start to live with someone else, you can't always just, act like you're alone you have to actually incorporate the other person into your life yeah and you know we could do a whole show on that but yeah that's that's a that's a really uh and that that thing about going to the gym first thing is is really powerful i know jocko does that first thing he wakes up probably like drinks a gallon of water and then goes in his garage gym and starts and starts sweating and getting after it uh, that's powerful for me. I used to do that in Hawaii for me. Now I'm actually in a gym a couple times a day because of my job. I don't, I don't go to the gym right away. I actually focus on um, self-education first and then the physical discipline comes a little later. But the point is the seven levels of self-development can take their <clears throat> individuality. They can, they can have that uh, flexibility as long as kind of you're, you're doing these things throughout the day. Now, waking up early is obviously not something that can happen later. That's why it's, it's, it's really the first thing on the list. And, and the list is developed in a way that um, allows you to do it no matter who you are. But it should be noted that all of these things can pretty much be flexible except for waking up early. Now, something that people have told me before is, especially after I published the article um, and my initial work on waking up early, they, uh, someone said, well, how can I, you know, what if I, what if I actually hack this, like biohack it and uh, stay up later and then like towards midnight, you know, doing all this extra stuff, whatever, and then just wake up a little later. Or what if my life naturally happens a little, little, little later in the day and waking up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock is actually relative to my 5 a.m. And, and, I, and I don't agree with it. And I, and I understand. Me the, the rash, yeah, I understand what they're saying. Yes, your, everyone's life is going to have a different pattern. Not everyone. And that's the thing. You, not everyone has to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning. But that's the point. And the point is you don't have to wake up before the sun does, but when you do, there is something that I can't explain logically. There's something that cannot be explained as empirical 
I, I don't think it's empirically studied or maybe it is in I don't know if circadian rhythm is um, in a scientific world or not, or if it's just on the fringe and on the edge of science and that it's just a theory at this point. But um, yeah, we all have a point at which our ancestors had to get up. Like we have to go back to before alarm clocks. We have to go back before we could, we could force ourselves to wake up at any point in the day and, and actually say, wait a minute, our ancestors, the people that came before were waking up for thousands of years with nature. Like it, they were using nature to um, do things, to live their life to, and to wake up. And so um, it, when we start to live our life that way, we actually kind of go backwards in evolution, but we increase the natural part of our, our, our how, do, how do you say that? You kind of get back to who we used to be and who we used to be wasn't so anxiety written. Like, yes, you know, we weren't as evolved and technology, technologically advanced, but we were more advanced in other ways. And, and, and that's, we were more developed in uh, contentment. And I think we had less, less mental handicap, less cortisol running through our veins as we do today, which, which today young people are, are getting gray hairs because the world is coming in on them. So part of the seven levels of, of self-development is waking up early for many, many reasons. And it's hard to, um, it's hard to hack it. Like I, I don't think it works. And, and I think you agree with that. Uh, to answer what you said about the person who posted like saying, up, like later, yeah, uh, most of their work later in the day. Even like doing it, he was saying he, what if he does it at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, so from my perspective, when I do those things early in the morning, it builds so much momentum for the rest of my day and I have so much energy throughout the day as well because I know I've done so much already and there's like so much more time left. I can do so much more. Whereas it feels like if you do them later on, like late at night, then you do those things and then what do you do with the momentum you've built up? You end up just going to sleep and then starting your day again with a fresh mind and it just feels so much more beneficial to do it early on in the morning yeah that's that's exactly right that's a very good point um and something i forgot is that you're you're not doing these things just necessarily to to check off tasks on a list what you're doing is is you're you're creating your momentum right you're building that up your that snowball is beginning to go down the hill and as it builds and builds and builds and collects more and more things and when you do that at the end of the day, what are you doing it for? You're essentially just doing it to fizzle out and try to go to sleep afterwards, which might even cause insomnia. So activity-related insomnia is a real thing. And the day should naturally wind down. It should not actually yeah. pick up just because, you know, you don't have to wake up early in the morning. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're preparing yourself for the rest of the day. And... um 
that's the that's the point. That's the essential uh, foundation, which why we which why we're doing these things. It, it's to prepare yourself for the rest of the day because I know people who um, don't need to wake up and and they 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 sleep in and do that stuff later in the day, and they're just they're not ever going to be as effective because they're they're missing out on on self development hours before they meet people, before they do things in the world. And I think that they would be even more powerful if they, if they woke up early and um, did that extra work, did that self-development work in, in the early hours of the morning and then did their life. And then at the end of the day, wind down, spend time with loved ones and chill out because it's just more natural. Just completely makes sense that way. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Yeah, that's man. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't think all of these will take as long. Yeah, Waking yeah. up early is just kind of like it's major, right? That's why it's number one. Okay. All right, number two, I have yoga and meditation practice. So, um, to me, yoga and meditation is synonymous. It's not, you know, that we know that the ancient definition of yoga is not actually standing up you know, upside down on your head. It's, it's actually meditating. So I say yoga and meditation, but what I really mean is meditation and light yoga is good. Just kind of light stretching is good or going for a walk and kind of getting your body and nervous system ready for meditation. And obviously as a monk, meditation is, was like the foundation of our life. And I think it should be the foundation of everyone's life because meditation is part of an art of getting comfortable in your own skin and providing a space to start to know yourself better and it, it allows us to to naturally get rid of distractions and make it so that we can think clearly have better focus and improve memory and those those are kind of uh, the three big ones for meditation. It, it goes beyond that. But when you talk about general population practices, we can't really go, we don't really want need to go into the depths of, of why a monk would, would, uh, you know, do advanced meditation. But what we're saying is what I'm saying is that meditation practice will actually bring more clarity from within yourself than from without, from outside yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Could you go a bit more in depth on the preparation for meditation? Because that's not something you usually hear from uh, other high achievers who meditate. You don't really hear about a before phase where you prepare for it. Right. So the question in this step is, is, Really, nowadays, I don't think it's, it's if we should do it, it's how we should do it. And, and another piece of work that I've uh, published, I cover that the idea that we should prepare for meditation more than we actually meditate and that we actually don't need to meditate that long. And what, what I mean by meditation, because the preparation and the sitting for meditation are actually part and parcel they're, they're kind of the same thing so 
but what we're doing in preparation is we're 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 not trying to necessarily still the mind and just sit right that's actual contemplation that's holding a one-pointed thought to achieve pure focus but what we want to do as beginners and intermediates and and i would say into advanced meditation as well we uh, focus on paying attention and we focus on concentrating on our breathing and we we give the mind and body something to do and then after that happens for you know 10 15 minutes if we're if we're going to have a 20 minute meditation practice that means that 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 last 5 minutes is when we actually stop working when we actually just a try to achieve and attain uh, pure focus. And so it's not, if we're going to sit for 20 minutes, we're not trying to do that same thing for 20 minutes. We're trying to actually meditate for the five minutes and for 15 minutes, we're preparing. We're, we're working with our breathing. We're working with the thoughts that come up. We're watching everything that happens. Maybe we're writing some things down and self-journaling okay, this just popped up in my mind. I'm going to write this down. And you're still in that preparatory phase for meditation. And then five minutes comes, boom, maybe we have a secondary timer and it's, it's focus time. And for five minutes, we're just still and we're seeing the, what is inside us. And if we can actually um, transcend uh, the mind for that, for that short period of time. And then of course, as you get more and more advanced, that that preparatory phase stays the same but that that meditation that pure focus phase is the thing that gets longer not the preparation that was a very nice explanation good to move on then yeah i mean that's that's the ins and outs of that and there's all kinds of structures um there's buddhist teachings there's hindu teachings there's um you know persian mystic teachings the point is find your system, you know, find a, a teacher that has a system and get to work. Okay. So the next one is to read and learn new things. Um, you know, if I could republish it, I'd probably take out learn new things because the, I don't mean to say watch YouTube, right? I don't mean to say study, study a, a trade, a manual that helps you learn something. What, what I specifically mean is read and, and reading implies that you learn new things. Um, but the power of reading for the sake of reading, uh, is, is unmatched and you inevitably, you invariably learn something new and it's not always a skill. It's not always like, uh, a concrete, um, fact. It, it, what what you learn is actually more critical thought and so in the seven level course right I, I have a whole this whole subject covers basically because um, each one of these seven levels in the course that I have is a is a lecture in and of itself and you know we're running through the whole list but the lecture is actually broken up into chapters uh, seven chapters and I think the main takeaway for number three reading is critical thought. And um, 
reading something and being able to not necessarily agree or disagree with it, but be able to reflect on it and think about it and say, well, what the hell is this guy talking about? Or what the hell is this girl talking about? And why did they write this? And you get into so many levels of education when you read and when you critically think. And I found out that, that schools aren't necessarily doing this. And, and it may be, maybe if you get to university, they're teaching you this, but I, I still am not sure about that because it seems that we're dropping critical thought for assignments um, and people are just doing the basic to get by because life is so uh, multifaceted now. And it's not just, you know, you're not just in university to focus on university. Maybe you're doing sports. Maybe you're doing extra things that you know university isn't going to help you with. Uh, maybe you have family issues. So stress uh, is going to accumulate uh, even when you're in school now and even more so maybe because everyone in university is such a young budding mind that hasn't been fully developed yet and, and, is lear and isn't quite sure how to deal with a multifaceted way of living. So when you read, you're able to take on the brain of someone else. And you take on the, the, the education and the research and the knowledge and wisdom that they've acquired in their field, whether you agree with them or not, doesn't matter. You're, you're picking up on the, the areas of study that they went through and the struggles that they went through. And they put it all in a, in, on paper and published it. And, um, when you read that, you absorb someone else's journey and their brain and their, all of those things that went with that. And we simply don't have, like, let's say you never read. Um, and we go through our own life trying to gather our own wisdom. Let's say you live for uh, 80, 87 years. So in those 87 years, you will not have enough time to gather the amount of wisdom and the amount of knowledge and experience that you would have if you read one book in those other 87 years. So if you have those two people, both live to 87, but one reads, like he's going to live multiple lives in those 87 years. And he's going to go through multiple struggles and experiences and journeys. Whereas the person who doesn't read, they go through one. They just go through one. And it's, not enough to acquire that much wisdom. What we need to do is collect and absorb culture from history and from people and start living those lives as we read the book and going through their own experience. And then we close the book and we're more than one person. We're more than one mind. And yeah, I mean, like if, if that doesn't convince you to read, I don't know what would. Just to put it simply, someone who wrote a book has likely put years of their life experience into that book, something that they would have accumulated over, let's say, 20 years. And you can read that book in a month and gather all those 20 years of knowledge in that one month. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. I mean, you're, you're, you're living 
Um, like I just finished, I'm almost finished. I'm on the last hundred pages, which should be finished in a few days. Uh, the book called Sapiens. And, uh, you know, this guy who wrote this 400 page book obviously studied and, and researched four years, you know, not, not number four, but four years. And who knows how long it, you know, some people take 15 years to write a book and to publish it. And usually those are professors who are teaching alongside the book. And you, you know, let's say, let's say it took you 15 years. So, because um, I, I do know of one author whose book I read, it took them 15 years. Uh, you just picked up on 15 years of research in, let's say it takes you four weeks to read um, a 400 page book. You know, that's powerful. Like, that's why most of the world's wealthy people read up to 60 books a year. I mean, they're always reading because they know the power and the knowledge that comes with gaining someone else's um, years of research. And for someone who can think like that, doors uh, of opportunity in the world increase and you're able to live uh, a much more effective life if you can outthink, um, especially if you can outthink the competition. But, you know, specifically to deal with the individual, if you can outthink yourself, and if, if you can start to teach other parts of your mind and your being different things, well, that's how we evolve. Because an athlete teaches their body how to how to how to evolve itself, how to how to out evolve different different years and different um, seasons, right? Like last season, I had this much, you know, I scored this much, but this year I'm going to excel at getting this much faster, so I can score this much more. So you can you can train your brain in the same way and just like an athlete can train his body a great thinker can train his mind um how to outthink itself and how to how to how to outgrow its previous year's knowledge and genius and and expand it and then you become a valuable resource to not only yourself but to the world and the people around you yeah that is very powerful yeah the next one uh is to write and actually I write I say write anything and what I mean by that is when we journal we're able to get the mind the stuff the clutter and the debris and the things in our mind that are backed up we're able to get that out and on the paper and when we do that we get a chance to see what the contents of our mind are and and we can help it, it can help um kind of explain confusion it can kind of help resolve past trauma and it can just help expand on thought and 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 i and i say that because when we don't write and we're you know you we've all heard of someone who's kind of stuck in their head um when we're stuck in our head it, it's a very difficult arena to formulate, uh, you know, concise uh, structures and, and concepts. It's, it's a very abstract world. Our mind has no distance. And so it's, it's hard to, to, to specifically um, come to conclusions 
when something is simply in our mind alone. When we write things out, we're able to um, bring our thoughts into the world of form, and they go from formless to form. And when they go into form, we can then see them in the light of day. So they go from darkness to light, and we can then begin to work with them in, in, a, in a real world setting. And um, I mean, does that even, I don't even know if that makes sense to people, but does that make sense to you real fast? Yeah, and I'll have something to add as well. So that's, that's, um, that's why writing is next. Uh, <clears throat> and without it, we just kind of tend to be more confused people. So if you're going to, yeah, in the world of self-development, if you're going to develop self, um, you need to write. You need to learn how to write, not just in school, but on your own for your yourself. Um, and another reason for journaling, uh, what I personally do, at the end of the day, I reflect on my day and I have a template on my phone in my notes page which I copy and paste into a new notes page every day. Um, and in that template, the title's on, how can I improve? What I need to do tomorrow? What have I done well today? What have I left undone? And, and I am thankful for, and where I write down three things that I'm thankful for. It's something that's a small incremental daily improvement in Japan, they call it Kaizen, uh, where those small improvements every day make a huge difference over time. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that reminded me of the law of attraction. Like, you're literally looking at the things you want to create. Like, what can I do better? And then, you know, given that the law of attraction is so commonly accepted now, you're you're doing that you're starting to create the things that you want and get rid of the things you don't want and i mean you will be if you start to take on these philosophies and these practices you will be so far ahead of most people who are just in the day-to-day -day grind and they're just they're just going by and doing these things and they're not really doing anything about their unhappiness they're not really doing anything about the why, why they're stressed and how to transcend it. All they know is that they're freaking out, they're stressed, they're unhappy, and that's life. And I work with some amazing people. Um, you know, some of my clients are like extremely powerful people in high places. And it's like they're freaking out and they don't understand how to deal with certain things and it's like man um it doesn't matter like your income it doesn't matter your lot in life everyone tends to go through this same experience of confusion and what people throughout history have been trying to say and what the seven level of self-development course is trying to say you can do better like you can you can actually get out of confusion and have clarity and live your life with clarity. And that doesn't mean things aren't going to go wrong. Things are still going to go wrong because that's the nature of life. We're not transcending the nature of life. We're just helping mitigate the reactions 
that we'll go through because of the suffering of life, because of the problems of life. Those things don't go away. We just simply deal with them in a much, much more healthy way. So the next one is working out and eating healthy most of the time. I think this one is so obvious and, and everyone knows everyone knows the why. Everyone knows, yeah, you need to work out. Yeah, you should probably stop drinking soda. I mean, do people even drink soda anymore? I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing when you see it? Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, like, have you ever, have you ever like seen someone drinking like Coca-Cola and you're like, wow, people still do that? Or no, no, but I do really? understand uh, that is like bad as in personally, I have, I haven't drank them for I think three years now, maybe more, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I know it's still normal to do so. Really? Wow. Yeah. So in, 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 well, maybe it's different in America. I don't know, but in because you're 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 in the uk you're not you're not in america and and we have we actually have listeners all over the world so um for people all over the world i wonder what it's what the reaction to sugar is like um so here around us like denver colorado is very it's a very young city there's a lot of uh entrepreneurs and uh you know we have google here we have slack and facebook and all that stuff and it's basically like a tech giant city now it's like the new san francisco for us um it's like everyone knows that sugar is toxic everyone knows that that a a can of soda has like half sugar or something i mean it's it's outrageous yeah um and then now even with uh, sugar replacements we know that that those aren't the best for you either so even with zero sugar, you have aspartamine and things like that. Um, I used to study nutrition quite a bit in the monastery. Uh, uh, these things are not necessarily good replacements uh, for health. So yeah, okay, so that's good. It's, it's not obvious then all over the world. Okay, well, yeah, sugar is bad. There we go. So uh, is all sugar, sugar bad? Yeah, right. Is all sugar bad? No, but but we we know that refined sugar, sugar made in a lab, you know, high fructose corn syrup, uh, is not good for longevity. And a lot of my work deals with um, the health of the mind, but health of the body is is also something I do as a profession, as a personal trainer, as someone who helps people with their diet. I I don't often write about that or do any work on it. But it is something that was a part of my self-development and what helped me uh, become such a clear thinker and someone who was able to help other people. Uh, Working out every day in a gym or in a sport, you know, whatever you do that's active, being outside um, and eating things that are fresh, local, and colorful are a part of ultimate health. And honestly, if you, if you see, if you're listening to this and you, you are the person that are, you know, gets, grabs a drink in a cooler or in a vending machine and you see an option for coconut water, or you see an option for soda, you should probably go for the coconut water and not the soda. 
I mean, it's, it's kind of that simple. And is this, is the one, you know, and this is where you could, you could play devil's advocate. Is the one soda bad? No. Is, is the culture and collective intake of foods and drinks for someone who does tend to go for the soda bad? Yeah. Typically, statistically, historically, and anecdotally, and pro- probably objectively, yeah, that's bad. So we know that the one soda is not going to kill you, but the collective amount of soda that you drink over the course of your lifetime, if that was reduced, you would most likely have better markers of uh, health in general. And on the topic of sugar, um, a quick question from what I've read. So from my understanding, the sugar in fruit is fine because of the fiber that's in fruit. But Fructose, is, right. Is the actual sugar any different than refined sugar? Or yeah, is it purely so there, because of the fiber that it's fine to eat? Well, what you're talking about is, yeah, scientifically proven. You're dealing with fructose, uh, sucrose, uh, and maltose. There, so there's uh, different properties in different kinds of sugars. and um, you know, in a laboratory that's called amylase. Um, so like in brewing, in, I remember in, in making beer, you know, we had different kinds of amylase, beta amylase, alpha amylase, and things like that. Uh, and those are just different uh, sugars that have like, people would explain them as, you know, uh, you can unscientifically, unscientifically explain them as like links in a chain. And some of those sugars have different links or broken links. and they're 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 just they react differently to different stages and so the thing about human bodies and sugar and different types of sugar is the way they're metabolized so yes the fact that a sugar can be taken or have more fibrous properties to help break down in the human body or help metabolize affects its intake or affects its um speed of intake in the bloodstream and the resulting metabolic processes that happen. So um, while this isn't my, my professional field, um, you know, I can only go so far in explaining that, but basically the faster something absorbs in your system and, and hits the bloodstream means that the body's, the body's reaction is either, you know, slow, moderate, or harsh. And what it does to it, what it shuttles with the calories um, can determine, you know, the health of the resulting health of an individual, both acutely. So that means both in the immediate or chronically. And that means in the long term. So the more foods, which basically everything breaks down into sugar, so the, the more refined sugars that we take into the body means the more amounts of foods and drinks that, that get absorbed and processed extremely quickly. And that's not, uh, it's been found that that's not a good thing for most people because most people aren't athletes and athletes are the ones who can and need, um, 
fast absorption of sugars. Like you need stuff like that. If you're going to produce um, time trials for speed or power um, or strength output. But when you're sitting at a desk and you're typing and you drink something or eat something that goes into the bloodstream extremely quickly and gets processed real fast, uh, all of a sudden the body has no need for it and then we'll simply shuttle it into fat stores okay that, that's why that's why obesity and and, and diabetic um uh diabetes is is so prevalent and people are getting fat and they're getting becoming diabetic because uh they're eating and drinking the wrong things and they're living the wrong lifestyle yeah. So <clears throat> that's in there with, you know, seven levels of self-development. And as you said in the beginning, uh, if you can incorporate your exercise into your morning routine, that's even better because w- when you work out, when you eat better and, and, and drink better, and you get more, <clears throat> you get more energy. You don't get less. So you would think that if I use energy for working out, then I will have less energy. But that's actually not the case. You you get more energy, and you feel better. You you are uplifted, and because you know there's like dopamine running through your body because you've worked out, um, and it has this drug-like effect that makes you feel uh, better. And you know that's called the runner's high and things like that. But there are highs that go along with exerting yourself physically in a sport or in an exercise that is enjoyable. So obviously, if you don't enjoy it, you should really find something that you do enjoy. Um, And for some people, that means just walking outside. Walking, by the way, is extremely powerful. And uh, you don't have to be a triathlete to experience the benefits of exercise. You can actually just walk for 30 to 45 minutes a day. And that's going to that's going to improve markers of health in some way. And what you're saying about getting energy from going to the gym, especially as well when it's followed by a cold shower, like that just boosts me even more. Oh yeah, man. Cold showers are amazing. It's not in the it's not in the seven levels, but it's it's in there for me (laughs) like it's 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 in it's in my life and it was a part of my life in hawaii Um, as a part of my training you know i went i did six months only cold um and we took three showers a day so yeah uh eventually in in a strange and mysterious way you just start to crave it like that 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 shock and I mean, people say that the alternative is to like go real hot and, and, and I, I don't know. I, I don't get the same, um, I don't get the, I don't have the same experience when you just take it to another extreme. There's something about the cold that um, just improves your moment, improves your life. I don't know. The weird thing is, um... I'm guessing you would have experienced it as well. After 
let's say a minute of being under a cold shower, you actually start feeling warm, which is really weird. Yeah, I mean, you adjust to it, right? It, it's just the it's like the nature of adaptation, and so it's also another decision, like cold showers yeah, exactly. is, is a decision, and 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 waking up early, cold showers, um, doing these things that require your attention. They are decisions. They're all decisions that um, force you to do that which you you don't necessarily want to do, or do that which may hurt you, or um, you know, it's basically like forcing you to go into unexplored territory. And your mind, it 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 it's a decision telling your mind that you're in charge, right? Just like waking up early cold showers are the same thing and you have a choice it's like i could go to comfort i could go to what i know or i could go to possible danger and i could go to what what i just don't know and if i'll be able to survive it right there's some sort of instinctive action there and when you choose to go into danger when you choose to go into the unexplored unknown territory of the cold you're telling your mind i'm in charge and i make these decisions and i'm willing to be courageous and brave and go go face the you know the dragon of chaos and then you do and it's fine and you survive and you've won and it's it's that kind of experience and it's this microcosmic um good versus evil type uh battle in the and the world is the, is the macrocosmic experience so what we do in those moments, and that's called the private battle. What we do in the private moment when no one's around and it's just our mind, that very decision affects all of the decisions that we make in public. It's something you talked about in the Chaos and Order episode. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up about cold showers. I, 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 <laughs> and actually, I did talk about that with... Uh, the fellow I was uh, having dinner with and he was talking about waking up early and that he'd have nothing to do. He also went through the same phase of uh, taking cold showers. And uh, I've, I've had some, so over the years I've, I've taught that quite a bit to clients and they all love it except for I've had a few people who got sick and I've had a few people who like literally got a headache and I think they were so frail in a way that they were causing themselves to get sick. So it's not for everybody. I mean, it's a decision, right? So if we place that same logic to other decisions, in theory, we, sh- we should have the same effect if it's an absolute truth. So um, in that way, we can kind of be our own scientist and create empirical evidence for our own lives. And okay, if a shower, if the sh- I'll just say if the shower doesn't work, if the cold shower is a decision that literally physically like hurts you in some way or causes you to be sick, then there's going to be other decisions or other battles that you can take on um, that will work with your nature, you know, and you can't force everyone to do everything. And no, you don't have to take a cold shower to be an effective, powerful person and have self-development. I'm just saying that that's a part of it. Some people experience positivity from it and it's worth a shot. If it doesn't work for you, 
it's not the end of the world. Yep. Number six is listening to language. Okay, so I say that so much. Okay, so um, it's, uh, people make fun of me all the time. Listening to language means paying attention literally to what you're saying out loud. And I put this out there because it was, it was a uh, partially a monastic teaching um, for the monks that you were to be very careful in what you said out loud and watching your speech was a form of meditative uh, and contemplative practice. So when you say things out loud, you're training your mind that that thing that you said is true or false. Or to say it another way, when you say something out loud, your mind is listening. You know, you may be speaking, but your mind is collecting data. And it's going to create rules based on that data that it's collected, based on what you said, and your life is going to be affected in a certain way or impacted. I'll give you an example. So people will say negative things and they'll affirm a weakness. So I used to always say, when I first got to the monastery, I'd, I'd bump into things, I was kind of clumsy, and when I would bump into something, I would say out loud, oh, I always bump into stuff, right? Like just as a way to yeah. um, kind of use some of my, my clumsiness. And my, my senior leader at the time, my department head, would say, don't ever say that again. I don't ever want to hear you say that you bump into things, regardless of if you bump into them or not. And, and here I am, I was like a young monk and I was kind of taken aback and I said, okay, you know, I got you, you know, 10, four. And I didn't, I didn't say it again. And I, you know, consequently stopped bumping into things. Right. So the, the theory behind that is what you say you create or what you think you create. And it's the same law of attraction type deal. But it goes even further when you speak it out into the world. So I, a lot of times you'll hear someone say, I'm exhausted. Oh, I'm tired. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. Okay. And so what they're saying, quite literally, if you broke it down into just that sentence, I am this. Right? I am this qualifier, this adjective. I am. Right? and whatever comes after that. And you don't want to do that unless it's positive, yeah. unless it's what you, what you want, right? Um, and that's listening to language, and that's a part of self-development, and that's a part of self-mastery, right? Because if you can go a whole day and not affirm a weakness and just keep things in a realm of... Um, proactivity and, and, and positivity, then you have the upper hand on a negative situation. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to bump into things anymore. I'm not saying that you're never going to be tired. I'm, I'm not saying you're going to make a million dollars just because you say out loud, 
I want to make a million dollars. What I am saying is we always have a choice in our decisions and you can either choose to be negative or you can choose to be positive. And regardless of the scientific data or regardless of the outcome, the alternative is always better no matter what, no matter what the result is, you might as well be positive because the alternative is worthless. And yeah, the way to use it to your advantage is with, as you're saying, positivity uh, through affirmations, just saying them out loud can really impact you just using the same logic that you were just explaining now. Yeah, I mean, that's why we, that's why there's self-talk. That's why when things are, you know, that's why when you're on the last mile of a marathon, you start to say stuff to yourself, you know, come on, we got this, I got this, we can do it. There's a reason that things from inside of ourselves come out and come out into the physical and our mind is watching and waiting for a command from its commander. And when we start to, to realize that we're the commander, you know, this, in, this intelligence that is, is this essence of us, this intelligence is in charge of the brain and that they're two different things. The moment we start to separate those two from realization and practice it, we, we begin to have power over our brain and mind. And that intelligence is what we're cultivating in the seven levels of self-development. That's what, um, you know, that's what's going on here. We're, we're training our intelligence that it's greater than the brain. And that the brain is not simply just intelligence and mind, but it's, 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 it's several different things. And you can separate the two and you have you and you have the brain. And you are the intelligence, you know, not the brain. The brain is, is the machine, the operating system. But you're the creator of the operating system. That's, that's listening to language. Um, that's a part of it. And that these are all um, words that we're using. Uh, and in the lecture, in the lecture series, I actually go through like what it's a whiteboard lecture so i'm i'm standing in front of a board and when i write things out on the board and and go through diagrams and things like that and, and i actually create different formulations based on the the diagram for the section so you know as as someone who's seen what the the difference is is there a difference in that uh rokas yeah uh you know sure you know, we're just talking about it now. But it but, does help when it's visual as well. Yeah, the lecture series is visual. Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily just audible. Okay. Uh, number six is, uh, number seven is the last one. We made it to the last one. <laughs> My God. So it's three days, three days later. Um, <laughs> okay. Taking the blame. So the last one is a philosophy of life that I've acquired. And the philosophy is everything is your fault or extreme ownership, as Jocko Willink uh, would put it. And also figures, you know, great authority figures throughout time 
who have changed the world in some way have the same philosophy. And, and I simply picked it up from them and we all pick it up from culture that came before us. And so it's not something I created. It's something that I learned from great people throughout time. And in my own experience, it works. So I added it there as the last step. Taking the blame uh, can also be said another way, which is make your life harder. And if you can make your life harder and do that which is challenging and difficult and take responsibility for everything that goes on around you, then you will start to be able, you will start to have the control to change everything around you and that which is to come in the future. And, and we want that power of creation. We want that power to be able to say, no, I do want this, or I'm thinking this, now I'm going to put it into manifestation, or the other power of destruction, or transformation, I want to change that which is going on. I want something else, and I'm not happy, I'm not content with this. And in, in a mysterious way, another decision that makes you better, and that creates self-development, and creates effective and powerfulness, behavior, effective and powerful behavior, is choosing the more difficult decision, choosing the harder decision. And so number seven is actually the entire seven levels. So number seven, making your life harder, taking the blame, making things harder, is actually just number one through number six. And by waking up early, performing a meditation practice, reading, writing, working out, eating healthy, and listening to the way you speak to yourself and others is the entire spectrum of living an effective life. And everything outside of those things are the details of these parent topics of this in, in this tree, this diagram tree of effectiveness. Does that make sense? Yep. This was a very powerful episode. From my yeah. So those are the bullet points and the entire lecture series can be found and downloaded at courses.rajanshankara.com. And I think we can actually add that to the show notes on yeah. Spotify. Uh, cool. And uh, my hope is that students actually take this kind of thing on. I mean, I, I obviously work with adults mostly, but my hope is that high school and university students are able to take courses like this to help them and shape them into these powerful people that take on the world with, with um, love, light, and upliftment. That's kind of what we were trained as in the monastery. And so that's why I offer student discounts um, if you're a university student, if you're in high school and you're listening to this, reach out to us. Um, you can email uh, the show, maninthemaking4 at gmail.com or raj at rajanshankara.com. Uh, and that's me directly. So, or there's a Facebook group, which is... Um, Man at the Making 
podcast community community yeah 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 so uh we answer questions there we bring those questions to the podcast but if you, but my point is if you reach out you're in high school you're in university let me know and i'll give you a student discount to all my courses uh that's something that i hope more uh students uh you know reach out to me in the future and instead of just buying the course uh which i've had before please just it says on there ask about student discounts and, and it says that for a reason because i know students are poor people they don't make any money and um you know they're just like they have eat they eat cans of beans and drink beer to survive and i understand <laughs> the struggle <laughs> i know what it's like um so that's just that's something that i put out there whenever i can okay thank you very much for your time Thank you, Rokas.